that end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. And, uh, you know, one of the things I want to say uh, from the very beginning is um, I want to remind us of something that I think is important um, in our church regularly uh, just to uh, get our minds and our hearts around um, listening to sermons, uh, making your way to church is a good thing, but it's not the end. Um, sermons are not the destination. They're, n- they're not the moment that we arrive. They are something that God uses, the teaching of God's word, to help us arrive at the destination. The, the destination for your life and for my life is that God would be glorified and honored through our lives. The pursuit of God, the pursuit of God's word, the the pursuit of his presence, the, the longing and the desire that I would know this person of, of, of Christ, that is the goal, that is the destination. And a proclamation of God's word must lead to pursuit or the proclamation has fallen on deaf ears or on hard hearts. I don't want you to leave our, our worship services fascinated with some aspect of the service. I want you to leave our services, the thing we pray for, the thing we go after with as much authenticity and heart as we can and as we know how, is that you would leave our services fascinated with God and longing to learn more about him and his word. That's our heart. And so in this message, what I'm going to do that's a little different than what we do most weeks is I'm going to go to various scriptures. Normally we try to stay in one passage, but there's just times that, uh, particularly in this series, uh, stories you thought you knew, that we're going to look at a story, a testimony from the Old Testament, and I want you to see that the theme of that testimony does not stay in the Old Testament. It's not in the past, but it's something that carries uh, through all of Scripture, it's, it's woven into so much of your Bible. And so I'm going to expand that biblical theme. And uh, in the midst of this, I, I pray that what will come from it would be an understanding that the Bible isn't just made up of these individual verses and words or passages or chapters or even books of the Bible. But that God has woven together something for us that that holds together and there are themes that you can see throughout scripture that when we rightly understand it, I'm I'm praying and hoping that as we walk through this that it'll do in your heart what it's done in mine, not just in this week of preparation, but for years it's given me an awe and wonder, not just in the beauty and the power of God's word, but in the message and the way it's so consistent. It gives it weight and power when we understand these themes and it stirs our heart to pursue the God who is still at work, amen? He's still at work. And the theme that emerges that we're gonna unpack comes out of the greatest redemptive event of the Old Testament, the Exodus, the Exodus. That's what we're looking at today. And so when we, when we talk about this theme, stories that you thought you knew, we, we know that there's going to be some things that we talk about. That there's going to be people that are here. I remember coming to church for the first time. I was like, I don't know that story. So for some of you, it might be the first time. But for some of you, this reality of the Exodus might simply be contained within Old Testament history. But I want you to see 
as we've already proclaimed in that worship song, that it is very much a theme for us today. But I want us collectively to see that clearly. So that's what we're going after. So let me start here. When I say Exodus, I want to make sure everyone's on the same page. When I talk about the Old Testament Exodus, what am I referring to? Well, the simple answer is this. Exodus is the historical testimony of Moses leading God's people out of slavery in Egypt, through the Red Sea that God parted, then into the wilderness where they they wandered a bit, right? You remember that story? A bit, like 40 years a bit. And they wandered until they finally arrived in the promised land. The history of Exodus is recorded in different ways in the first five books of your Bible. But particularly we see Exodus start to get framed up in the testimony of that in Genesis, the end of Genesis, Exodus, obviously, Numbers, and the beginning of Joshua, even. It starts in, 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 in Genesis, if you remember the story, it's where um, God, through some miraculous events, you raised up and then um, worked through Joseph to lead God's people, this remnant of God's people, uh, to Egypt so that they could be provided for during a famine that could have threatened the existence of God's people. But then they were in um, Egypt and they had relative peace until a new Pharaoh came and that Pharaoh didn't know of Joseph and Joseph's God and so that Pharaoh took advantage of this uh, 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 different people in Egypt and he made them uh, slaves to Egypt and he was brutal to them in their slavery. And God's people lived under this oppression and until God's people started to cry out to God and God never um, fails uh, to hear his people. And so he heard the cry of his people and he raises up Moses and, and Moses would lead them to freedom. He would go to Pharaoh and he would demand, let my people go. This is oftentimes the point where many of us remember uh, the story of Exodus and the testimony and Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not going to let your people go. His heart is hardened. And so God uses various plagues to bring Pharaoh to a point where he would release God's people. In the final plague, the people were told to, to, to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood over the doorpost to their home. And then that night, the plague meant that anyone who did not have the blood of the lamb over the doorpost meant that their firstborn would die. And that night, there was great suffering in Egypt and great sorrow and horror. But God's people, all of the firstborn were protected because of the blood that was put over their door. The people then were commanded and instructed to have this Passover meal to commemorate what God had done, how he had brought salvation to their child. And, and, and then this Passover meal would become a regular, a yearly occurrence for uh, the Israelites to celebrate and remember God's deliverance. This plague led to the release of God's people. Pharaoh was like, I'm done, and just let the people go. And then the people are led by a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. They're led right to the shores of the Red Sea. But then Pharaoh was like, no, 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 no. Go get them. And now with the, with the, with the Egyptian armies uh, uh, coming and then pressed between the Egyptian armies and the Red Sea, 
through Moses, God does a miracle and literally uh, um, separates the waters to the extent that God's people would walk across it as if it was, they were on dry ground. The extent of the miracle was awe-inspiring. And after they passed, the waters crashed over the Egyptian armies and God's people are delivered. Then the people enter the wilderness. During this part of the, the journey, we see God providing for all of the people's basic needs. He provides bread from heaven, water from a rock. He gives them the law to sort of guide his people and to set them apart from other nations. Through a variety of trials and difficulties, they finally eventually arrive in the promised land. This is a biblical outline that I've just given you of the Old Testament Exodus events. So we're all on the same page. It's a story that many know, but there's more even than that. Because this Exodus theme seems to get picked up a moment in, in a variety of moments throughout Old Testament history. Then you find in the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah that they start to talk about this exodus and they're, they're, they're talking about their confidence in God's power and his work but then they're also starting to look forward prophetically to this thing that seems to be pointing to a new exodus. And so then what you have is Jesus enters in the gospels and if you've watched this Exodus theme start to get traced throughout biblical history, you start to see that the Exodus theme emerges everywhere in the New Testament. Because the gospel story is a story of the new Exodus. And if you're familiar with passages like Hebrews 3, you know that Jesus now is greater than Moses. He's the new Moses to do perfectly, to accomplish perfectly what was only foreshadowed in the Old Testament Exodus. And this theme, if we understand it, there's an opportunity not just to know it and not just be amazed at what God did in the past, but, but to actually realize that the same God is wanting to work now in, in very similar ways in my life and your life. So the big idea to kind of frame up this discussion this morning, the picture of this theme, we're gonna walk through various scriptures to show this, but the big idea is Exodus is a dominant biblical theme proclaiming how God rescues from death and delivers from slavery. And so I wanna give uh, four pictures of the new Exodus in the New Testament, not so that we could just know it, but so that through the work of God's spirit and through our faith that we can actually live it out. And that's the way that um, we're gonna see this emerge and, uh, and have an opportunity to live it out and see it more clearly. So first point, first picture is this. Church through Jesus, proclaim the Exodus testimony as your testimony. In Christ, you have the opportunity for that Exodus testimony to not just be a testimony, but to be your testimony. Through Jesus, you're invited to be part of the Exodus story. So Jesus establishes himself as this new and greater Moses in, in coming and beginning to explain his ministry and his life. And if you remember back in the Gospels, 
You, you can read this all later. I'm gonna frame this up and I literally want some of you, uh, I hope and by prayers that you'd be so kind of amazed by this theme that you'd be like, I wanna, I wanna see this for myself. I wanna study this for myself. In the Gospels, if you remember when um, Jesus was first born, uh, there was a problem because um, there was going to be, uh, a king at that time was going was to kill a bunch of people because he thought this person was going to come saying he was the Messiah and he didn't love that. And so um, in the midst of that, uh, what happens, if you remember, is, is that Jesus flees to Egypt. And then he comes out of Egypt back to Jerusalem, the promised land, when he begins his ministry. It's an announcement, an inauguration of him has the new Moses. When Jesus feeds the 5,000 people in the wilderness, or, or, or when he says that he is the bread of life or living water, that's a picture to God's provision of bread and water during the Exodus, during their time in the wilderness. I mean, think about it. This, is, this one's so clear, and I want to make sure it's clear for all of us that when Jesus died on the cross, do you remember what they called him? The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. His blood in the cross was laid over the lives of all people who would come to him in faith so that he might bring freedom from slavery to sin. See, Jesus becomes in his death the perfect Passover Lamb. And we're going to unpack that a little bit in the next point. But remember, Hebrews 3 highlights this. And, and Jesus shows us this in so many different ways. And even ways I don't even have time to explain this morning. And then um, sin actually becomes, in this new exodus, sin becomes the ultimate Egypt. If you think about it, and I know I don't need to inform you of this because we know this in our brokenness, in our fallenness. Sin is a place of, of slavery and oppression. You don't have to read many news sources at all to recognize the slavery and oppression that sin has over our world. But Christ provides and invites us to escape from sin and death and by dying on the cross and paying the penalty for sin, rising from the dead to announce a victory over sin and death, Jesus says, come and follow me and I will show you how to conquer sin and death in me. Then, as you do that, as you put your faith in Christ, God begins to distinguish his people and in places like the book of Acts and in other places, we start to see God literally giving his people a new identity the gospel grace becomes the law that we live under and um, all of this is so then God calls people together in the church so that he could lead them to the final perfect promised land. Eternity, the new heavens and the new earth is the final place. And so for us today, we have to see that we are still on the final Exodus journey. This is what we're in together this is what we're this is the process in and the direction that we're walking you got to see it clearly that your faith in Christ your place in the church of Jesus Christ it merges your life into the exodus testimony
It's more than an Old Testament event. It's more than something that the prophets pointed to. It's your testimony. In Christ, it can be your story experienced through faith in him. Man, we, we love, don't we? If you think about it, we love to get drawn into powerful stories that are so much lesser than the gospel. Like we get so exhilarated and stirred up and have this, this, this sometimes odd affection for, for our favorite sports teams. And when they make that run to win the championship, like we kind of freak out in some very odd ways, if we're honest. We also get enthralled in the movie or the series where the, where the hero battles all of the, the resistance, presses up against evil so that there might be this victory and this resolution in the end. More importantly and more practically, it's seen in movements where, where people or even particularly God's people begin to advocate for someone captured in some aspect of slavery or brokenness and we love the picture of somebody being led out of Egypt. And we have the opportunity to do that. It's, it's one of the, the reasons why we love to support the ministries that we do in our area is because compassion means I see someone in slavery and want to see them delivered. But nothing is more captivating and fulfilling than to be drawn into the powerful movement of God's redemptive work in and through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in the present and into the future. Amen? And, and when you see this woven throughout the pages of Scripture, we, you have to pause and, and ask yourself a few questions. Look at these. I've got them on the screen. I want to challenge you. Are you seeing the evidence of the exodus coming out of your relationship to Christ? One of my favorite parts about being a pastor, one of my favorite parts about knowing God's people is, is that I, I could literally walk up and down the rows and I could, I could share some of the ways that I've seen that, that I've heard of that happening in your life, ways that I've seen it happen in your life, are you seeing the evidence of the exodus coming out of your relationship to Christ? Are you experiencing this theme in your life as a member of God's kingdom? Are you captivated and fulfilled by this theme? And then this last one is very challenging for me. Is it a historical testimony you know here? Or is it a personal testimony that you are living? Listen, I'm not going to accept for anything in your life or my life less than God's greatest and best. If Exodus is not your personal testimony, then let me just speak to you out of the authority of God's word and the words of Jesus throughout the Gospels that the new Moses, the greater Moses, Jesus Christ, wants to lead you there. Put your faith in him completely. Continue to abide in him so that he might lead you out of slavery into victory. Seek his presence and power. Learn from his word. He wants to lead you out of slavery to sin and rescue you from death. Live the Exodus, church. Live it. Through Jesus, we proclaim that we are part of the Exodus testimony.
And this dominant biblical theme proclaims how God rescues from death and delivers from slavery. And that leads us to number two, which is this. Through sanctification, proclaim your deliverance from slavery to sin. The Egyptians enslaved God's people. And the oppression was brutal. But, but listen, nothing, nothing has been more oppressive and brutal to people throughout all of human history than sin itself. It's extremely clear in the New Testament that the new exodus announces, proclaims God's deliverance from slavery to sin. Paul makes it clear, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, in announcing God's deliverance, he starts by saying, for Christ, our Passover lamb. When you understand this theme, church, and you read that verse in 1 Corinthians, do you realize the depth and the beauty within what it's saying there when it says, our, 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 mine and yours, the churches. Jesus is our Passover lamb. He has been sacrificed. His blood has already been placed over the doorposts of anyone's life who is in Christ by faith. He's announcing the deliverance. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 makes it even more clear when Paul writes, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us, that's part of the Exodus, to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. That's the redemptive story woven throughout scripture, the forgiveness of sins. Christ brought the forgiveness of sins through his sacrifice as our Passover lamb so that we might be able to Avoid the death and the condemnation that comes for those who don't have Christ written over the doorposts of their life and heart. And Jesus in this, through sanctification, through transforming us, wants to lead us out of, away from slavery to sin. Deliverance from the slavery of sin is detailed. You can read this. I would encourage you. I challenge you to read this more in depth. Um, throughout this week, but in Romans 6 through 8, Paul is just like nailing this reality of slavery to sin. Let me just give you a sample. Check this out. Romans 6, 6. We know, this is the the followers of Jesus Christ. This is the confidence in here. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order to, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that that ruler over us would be brought down so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. 6, 17, and 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once, were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves to righteousness. Notice here that Paul introduces the fact that we've moved from slavery to slavery, but not from one oppressive master to another, but from an oppressive master to a master named Jesus that rightly and lovingly rules over our hearts and lives in a way that brings delight. Look at it in 6.22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get 
leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Because when we experience eternal life, what we've, where we found ourselves is in the final and perfect promised land. And there you begin to see the theme. I, I think that one of, the, one of the, the problems in the church that for sure was not a problem for the Israelites in Egypt is that, is that we too often, we, we take sin lightly. Let's just be honest. I think some of the reasons why we do this is because we, we tend to think about sin simply as like a list of, of, of wrong things that we're not supposed to do. This is where sometimes when, when it just becomes a list of, of, of rights and wrongs, it becomes lifeless. But if you start to think about sin within the context of the Exodus theme, and I think it's right to think that. I think Paul does this in, throughout um, all of his writings, but particularly in Romans 6 through 8. I think what you see is, is that he's saying, start to see sin as a person, as a ruler. Start, start to see sin like the Israelites saw Pharaoh. That, that sin is the most heartless and oppressive slave master. And if the story of, of, of slavery at any form it, currently or in the history of the world, if that brings sorrow to your heart and, and sort of a righteous anger and indignation that burns in your soul, start to think about sin in the same way. <clears throat> sin is insidious, it is conniving, it is relentless, it wants to dominate, divide, destroy, and bring death to your life. It cares nothing for you. Sin gives just enough to keep you, but never enough to free you. Find deliverance from slavery to sin. See that what, what Jesus is beckoning to your heart and life is he's saying, come away from that oppressive ruler and come under my rule and reign. I won't lead you to unrighteousness. I want to lead you to righteousness. I don't want to lead you to anger and contentiousness. I want to lead you to peace and joy. Consume the bread of life and drink the living waters that Jesus offers that lead you to deliverance. Find your satisfaction there. Take hold of your deliverance. There should be a zeal in, in the hearts of the followers of Jesus Christ to be like, I don't want to submit to slavery to sin anymore. There should be a weight and a seriousness that we have any place that, that, that sin has emerged in our lives as this person that wants to rule over us. And so why? Why do we sacrifice to, to make it to church every week? So, so, that we, so that we might be stirred up by God's people. So that we might have our hearts refreshed in the goodness and the truth of Jesus. Why? Because, because I want to take hold of my deliverance. And I know you do too. Why do I seek to know God's word? Because in God's word, I'm led to the person of Christ, and that is the one who leads me out of slavery to sin. So I'm going into God's word. I want to know it more deeply. Why do I seek God in prayer? Because it's in that place in prayer where I can draw near to Jesus, and I can just tell him, like, 
Jesus, I need everything that you offer to lead me, to deliver me. And why do I resist temptation and why do I strive to walk in obedience to God even after I've fallen? Because I want to take hold of my deliverance. Live the Exodus story, church. Live it. Through sanctification, proclaim your deliverance from slavery to sin. Exodus is a dominant biblical theme. Proclaiming how God rescues from death and delivers from slavery. Then thirdly this, through evangelism, proclaim gospel freedom to others. In the Old Testament Exodus, it only involved the Israelites. God's people that were defined by this uh, shared ethnicity. In the new Exodus, through what Jesus did out of his love for the whole world, in his death, he offers and extends the new Exodus to anyone. Anyone can be adopted into God's covenant family by putting their faith in Christ. All nations, all tribes, all tongues. United by the same love, the same faith, the same baptism, living in the same spirit. Don't you love that about the church? That no matter what the backgrounds might be, so many various backgrounds and generations even in this a church, and we all can be united simply in that. This is realized clearly and manifested in the book of Acts. The vision is communicated by Jesus in Acts 1.8. Look at it on the screen, another place that you start to see the Exodus theme drawn throughout Scripture. He writes, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Church, like, the gospel is not done going out. Which means that the new exodus is still in motion today. It's still playing itself out. We're, we're still on the journey to the perfect promised land. But our purpose and our mission in this season of what God is doing is that we would proclaim Christ to the world both through the way that we live, the way that we think, and through what we say about Jesus. We, we want to be a people that are inviting people to put their faith in Jesus, to follow him with their lives, to be filled with the Spirit, and experience gospel freedom through Christ. Let people see it. Testify about it. Freedom from slavery to sin and victory over death, the hope and the joy and the peace that it gives us. we got to proclaim that to the world. This week as I was thinking about this calling in this time in history, I was, I was, I was thinking about how in eternity, I, I was just imagining the opportunity of seeing the full legacy of faith. Th th think, about, think about it with me for your life. Can you imagine seeing the full picture of the gospel and the message of the gospel, being able to see how it got to you from Acts 1-8? Can, can, you, can you imagine being able to, to literally 
connect with each and every person that was faithful to the gospel that led from this moment in Acts 1-8, these witnesses, to the point in time at which the person or the group of people were faithful to share the gospel to you so that God could use the the communication of the gospel uh, to open your heart to put your faith in Christ. Man, I would want to thank every single one of those people for their faithfulness. Some, I'm sure, with just a simple life, lived faithful to Jesus, proclaiming his truth. Some, maybe, standing and influencing hundreds or thousands of people. I don't know, but I really look forward to that day. And when you think about that, what it does is, I just want you to stop in the wonder and the awe of that. The reality of Acts 1-8 has already journeying through so many decades and centuries to us today. And we're finding ourselves invited, even in this message, to be a part of that legacy. What new move of gospel proclamation can you set into motion that will impact the next generation? Church, that's that's the weight I want you to feel. Because it's the opportunity that we have in Christ. We can invite others into the new exodus. The door hasn't closed. The the, the window hasn't finally um, closed on this season and time. Anyone, all they have to do is hear the gospel from your lips, respond to the Holy Spirit working through it, repent from their sins, believe in Jesus and follow him, and, and, and they are now a part of this new exodus with you and I if our hearts have been given fully to Jesus. this could be your day even. Some of you sitting here today might be like, I don't even understand this this gospel and the power of it, but I want to. It could be your day to enter into covenant relationship with God. But church, we just gotta proclaim. That's that's all we gotta be faithful to. God does the rest. We just gotta be faithful to proclaim Christ. Both the character of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the redemptive plan of Christ. Stop getting caught up in all of the the, the things that can distract us from the centrality of just preaching Christ, his death, and his resurrection. Amen? Can can, can we just as a church, like, like maybe sometimes it's good to be a bit simple. Because we can get up in our heads on a lot of things. Trust me. Been in ministry for a while. Seen a lot of crazy things we can get our heads up into. And I want us just to proclaim Christ and invite people into the new exodus. Through evangelism, proclaim Christ gospel freedom to others. Exodus is a dominant biblical theme. And then this last one, so good for me to process through this week, and I hope it is for you. Through communion, proclaim the present and active deliverance of God. I alluded to this earlier, but I want to make it really clear. This this Passover meal became this required Jewish holiday or memorial to celebrate God's power in delivering his people out of Egypt and hearing their cries and responding like a good God does. But, but, but Passover, this yearly time, wasn't, wasn't just a time to look back. That wasn't the purpose of it. It wasn't just to look back. That was part of it. It wasn't just to look back. It was, it was meant to be a time to remember and proclaim that the same God is still at 
work. See, so Passover wasn't supposed to become this sort of routine and lifeless event. It wasn't just about remembering the details of what happened in the past. It was also a call to acknowledge God's power and redemption in the present. You can see it throughout, throughout the Old Testament. God's people coming back to this, referring back to it as a reminder of what God still wants to do. And like Passover was a unifying event for the Israelites, communion is the unifying event for the followers of Jesus Christ. This is our Passover meal. Communion is the memorial practice that Jesus ordained into the rhythms of the church to help us celebrate his death and resurrection, to remember it. But church, listen, listen, just like with the Passover, it was never intended, nor did Jesus intend it, to become a routine and lifeless celebration. So we, we, we've got to work against what that could be in your life and in my life. It was a regular time for the disciples um, of Christ to reestablish their lives. That's what we're going to walk into in just a moment. Reestablish their lives into the redemptive testimony of the new exodus. And it wasn't just intended a communion to be a, a remembering of what Jesus did in the past. It was intended to, uh, uh, to be a call to acknowledge Christ's power and redemption in the present. It was meant literally to be um, revival for God's people every time communion plays out in the church. Uh, Fleming Rutledge, in her brilliant book on the crucifixion, states it beautifully. Look, it's on the screens, her quote. She writes, In the communion service, we do not simply call Jesus to mind. Jesus is actively present with power in the communion of the people. We are not just thinking about Jesus' actions in the upper room. We acknowledge that he is present and acting in the community now that's gathered at the table in the present time. Church communion is our Passover meal. It's our celebration of what Christ has accomplished. It's intended to revive our hearts, to continue to be faithful in the Exodus journey, following the new Moses, Jesus Christ to rededicate our lives to serve whatever he wants to accomplish. So I want us today, as we're going to go to the communion table, of course, I, I, want you to, I want you to approach communion today as God intended it. Not lifeless, not routine. Acknowledge in this moment that Christ ordained that this would be a moment when we would reaffirm that he has not just uh, done some things in the past, but that he's present and active now. So when the elements are going to be passed in just a few moments, I want you to take time to ask Christ, the new Moses, to lead you forward out of any place where sin has become a master over you. I want you to confess your sin to God and in your confession, you're not just asking for the forgiveness of your sins, you're asking that Jesus Christ as the new Moses would lead you out. I want you in this moment 
to, to, to ask that, that God would do such a work in your heart in this new exodus that you would begin to have the opportunities to proclaim gospel freedom to others. I want you to ask that God's power, the same power that, that, that rose Jesus from the dead, that that same power would be your experience in the present. So I'm just going to invite the communion servers to come now. And as the trays are passed, if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a child of God, take hold of the two cups, one with the bread, his body given to you, the other his, the juice, a symbol of his blood poured out for you. And, and just hold on to them, and we're going to take them together in a moment. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, let this pass. And consider the opportunity that God gives you to put your faith in him. And during this time, I just, I just want you to worship Jesus, the new Moses who's come to lead you in the new exodus, the one who wants to lead you to that perfect and final promised land. And as the band sings this song over you, I just want you to commune with that God who is present and active right now as God's people in this church gather around the communion table. And remember that what Jesus accomplished in his death allows for the penalty and the condemnation of sin to literally pass over his people. So let us consider that afresh as we hold on to these elements and then we'll take them together in a few moments. Let's do that now as the band sings over us.